So we're going to talk about vision tonight. And we're, we, there's a lot of talk about vision in our culture, about visionary leaders and how we need visionary leaders. And we're not talking about that tonight. We do. We do need visionary leaders. We need people that can see the horizon, that can grab us and move us and excite us to see what could happen, people with imagination, people that can take risks. But that's not our talk tonight because not all of us are, are wired that way, right? We're not all, some of us are like, just tell me what I need to do and I'll check the boxes and that's okay because that's, that's how I function best. I need a list. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me A, B, and C. What are the nuts and bolts? How do I fix this? <laughs> it's great that you want to dream. Just tell me what I need to do, right? So we're not talking about vision as in like landscapes. We're talking about how do we make vision part of our character? If our godly character is to include vision, then what does that really mean? That vision is part of our character. It means this. The other meaning of vision, to see. To see with God's eyes. To see beyond the obvious. So let me give you a story uh, to kind of illustrate this. There's, there's two people and they're uh, in prison, okay? Are you there with me? Yeah? Nod that you're even listening. Okay, great. <laughs> so there's two people and they're in prison. And the first person is in the cell. And they look up and they see a little window with bars on it, right? And all they can see is that they are stuck in this situation. There's no way out. Those bars just remind them over and over again that there is no way you're getting outside. There is no escape. And they look around and it's bleak and it's dreary and it's awful. What a terrible situation I am stuck in. The second person in the next cell, exact same cell, it is dreek and bleary and there's bars on the window, but when they look up, they see, they see the sunrise in the morning. They see the stars at night. They feel the breeze on their face, and they're like, someday, that will be mine. They can see beyond the obvious. The obvious is the bars that are right there. To what is beyond? To what could be tomorrow? To what is the situation beyond? And that this moment here is maybe a time of reflection, a time of peace, a time to learn, a time to prepare for when I'm on the other side of those bars. Two people in the exact same situation, but what they see is totally different. One sees the obvious, and the other has the vision to see beyond the obvious. You ever sit on a, a dock, and there's a reflection, and so all you can see is just the sparkling surface, right? We've all seen it at camp, or on a lake somewhere, or in a postcard. <laughs> but when you get up close to the water, and you actually tip your head over, and there's no glare, and you can see through to the bottom, maybe you don't want to do that in this lake, but... But picture this beautiful lake where you, sh you can tip your head over and it's like suddenly you're like inside an aquarium and you can see the fish and the plants and the shells on the bottom. But when you just step back and you see the surface, you're missing so much life, right? Because we get caught by the obvious and we miss everything that's going on below it. So we're going to talk about vision, vision to see beyond the obvious and this can take so many, so many forms. Like, 
So the campers come off the bus in the morning. And do you see campers? Do you see uh, 15 problems running at you across the field? How are we going to contain this today? They are just going to, oh, this is going to be awful. And I have to dress in dark clothes and get all mucky for mudstones. And this is like, these kids are a problem. Or do you see 15 opportunities coming across the field? A chance to make a friend, a chance to make a difference in a child's life. There's a chance there that maybe today I can move them one degree closer to Jesus. And I may not see that one degree because it's so tiny, but it's a chance for me to love them. Or maybe school. School is just a necessary evil to get my papers and get beyond. Or is school an opportunity to be a light in a very dark place? to see beyond the obvious and see the hurting people around you, to see the teachers that are struggling so hard in their own ways of being, and they just need love. Or what about work? Is work just a, a monotonous get up and go, or is it, is it my mission field that God's placed me in for this moment and this time? Here's my opportunity. Can, I, can you see beyond the obvious and why it's so important? We're going to go into Mark chapter 8 tonight really weird little story. It's one of the miracles of Jesus, and some of you have probably read this and just kept going. But Jesus is with his disciples, and they've fed 4,000 people, and then the Pharisees showed up, and they argue with Jesus, pretty typical kind of thing. And then as they're walking along, Jesus says, you know, beware of the bread of the Pharisees. And then they, they come here, and we get to verse 22. It says, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him. So taking the blind man by the hand, he led him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked, do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. And I don't think he's thinking Ents. I don't think he'd read Lord of the Rings. I think he's like thinking like, these are people that are like trees maybe moving. I don't know what's going on. So then again, Jesus laid his hands on his eyes. And the man stared intently and his sight was completely restored. And he began to see everything clearly. And then we go on in the passage and... Jesus says to the disciples, who do you people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And Peter's like, you're the Messiah. And he's like, gold star for you, Pete. And then the next, so he starts to say, okay, you get it. So I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And Pete's like, whoa, Jesus, come on. That's not part of the plan. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. And like, take your gold star away. Right? Like, but right in the middle is this story about this blind man who has this weird experience where he can't see. And Jesus does a miracle, but he doesn't quite see fully. And you're like, why, Jesus, why? Why didn't you just, why didn't you just heal him? Like, you, you've raised people to life, and you've been in a different city. And you walked along, and you said to 10 lepers, go and show yourself. And as they walked, they were clean. Why this time do you have to, like, stop and, like, spit in his face? <laughs> and why doesn't it work? And what's, like, what's the lesson for us in this? Vision. How many of us have been saved but never see clearly? How many of us get 
caught up in the fact that, wow, Jesus can do miracles. I just want him to keep doing miracles. And then we miss the point that what he's doing in that miracle is showing us that all things are possible. You're hungry? Food is not an issue. And the Pharisees show up and argue, and they get distracted, right? And it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it, by our Pharisees? We go to church and we argue about, you know, which hymns we should sing or which Bible is the right Bible. And you're like, why does this even matter? People are going to hell. <laughs> but we're arguing about this stuff. And, and then the, the disciples are doing the same thing, right? Like, they missed the point. Man, we can get caught up. In that religious side where we just lose sight and we can't see clearly. And it happens to us in a way that is so quick that we don't even realize we're not seeing something. And it happens really quick in our religious circles. It can happen really quick in the crowd. We live in a place and we go to school and we go to work and uh, we have our families and we play sports with people that do not believe what we believe. And it's so easy to get caught up in the crowd. This sounds good. This sounds great, actually. Let's go with this way. We found someone who can make bread and will never be hungry. Great. Let's make him the king. Oh, let's just like keep him in a box so that he doesn't go away and we always have bread and we'll always be happy and, and never have to be hungry. And, or, well, we changed our mind. Can you um, make French toast instead today? We'd really like that. Can, can you add some, like, sauce on that? That's really yummy. Like, I don't know. Right? Like, could you make um, Dairy Queen ice cream blizzards for all of us today instead of bread? Because bread's good, but we want more. And we get off track and led away. And our vision gets cloudy. And we see people, but they're more like trees moving around. They're just kind of obstacles in our way. They're just kind of out there, but we don't actually see them for who they are and how they've been made in God's image. We don't see clearly. Jesus, touch our eyes, right? So how do we, how do we have vision to see people the way God wants us to see them, to see situations the way God wants us to see them, to see our our families, or our problems, or our, the, the places we need to go, or the changes we need to make in our lives the way God wants us to see them. Step one, do you believe that with God all things are possible? Jesus reminds us over and over again, right? And he says to people, he says to his disciples, you say that this is impossible, but I tell you with God, all things are possible. Well, that goes all the way back to Genesis. Where Sarah is told she's going to have a baby. And she's like, I'm 90 and he's older than I am. These parts don't even work anymore. How are we going to have kids? And the angel of the Lord says, with man, it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. And Jesus is reminding us that it's right from the start, right from the promise, that there would be a promised one. God's been including us in the journey of the impossible to make things possible. Well, so 
One, believe that God says it, all things are possible. Two, spend time with others that can see. <laughs> spend time with people that have vision. People that have experience. People that have wisdom. Who are you surrounding yourself with that are people that have seen things that you haven't seen? Have seen that God can do all things. Surround yourself with people like that. Meet with them. Ask them their stories. Four, make a list of solutions. Make a list, four or five possible solutions to your situation. Man, I'm in a bad situation. What do we do? What happens when something sucks? <laughs> do we, how, like how many of us immediately believe, God, all things are possible with you? Uh, no. <laughs> I gather friends around me and I say, this thing sucks. <laughs> and they're like, yes, it does. You're right. Your situation sucks. And then they're like, we should tell more people. Yo, Terry's situation, it sucks. You know what? We should throw a party. Come on in. Pity party, 5 o'clock. Be at my place. And, and we are going to talk about how much Terry's situation sucks. What have I seen? I am stuck staring at the bars. In fact, I'm bringing you all in to help me. Come, look at these stupid bars on my window. Well, come and celebrate it with me. Come complain. Oh, I can't believe they painted those bars black. Can you believe it? Like, at least if I'm stuck here, they could have, like, one was yellow and then some splash of color somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, but no, they just gave me standard old iron bars. It's just steel. <sighs> Did you bring the burgers? <laughs> right? And that's where we sit. And it's like, okay, God, I don't know how to see the stars. All right, let's make a list. Because I want to see stars. I want to know there's a promise of something more. Whew. So make a list. Four or five options. Pray about it. God, here's my list. Because for me, these are the only five solutions I can find. Will you help me out of this situation? Pray for wisdom. James 1, 5. If you lack wisdom and you pray, God will give you wisdom. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> it means that you're going to... God, I believe you're going to give me wisdom. Sometimes it's like, boom, I know, I'm going to pick option three. That makes the best sense. And other times it's like, I don't know, two seems good and four seems good, but I really want to do five. One is probably what my parents want me to do. And three, I just wrote it down. <laughs> like, I don't know. But I really want two or four, God. So give me wisdom. I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to pray. And when I get back from around the block, I'm going to pick two or four, God. Let's see what happens. You say you'll give me wisdom, I believe you. And then Holy Spirit, guide me. Pray, ask for wisdom, let the Holy Spirit in. Holy Spirit, I know you're in my life. Help me to get out of the way so you can make this decision through me. <laughs> Help me get out of my own way. And pick one. Pick one. Don't stay stuck. Man, how many of you often feel like I'm just stuck? 
and you're paralyzed. I can't make a decision. I don't know which one to... What if I picked two and it should have been four? Point number one, with God, all things are possible. So if I pick two and it should have been four, God's going to make it happen. Somehow two will become four. I don't know, he turns it sideways, he moves the curve around. I don't know what he does, but somehow that two becomes a four, and it's what my life should have been. But because I was able to move, because I saw the stars and went for them, God was able to work. I had a situation in our life, Julia and I, where we were in Tokyo, and we really believed we should come home uh, to work in a church. And so we packed up and we came home, we moved back to this terrible place called Mississauga. (laughs) And some people might like it, it's not my place. Um, And we really thought God was in it. It was the right decision. And everything we did went wrong. And over the next year, the two of us combined went through 14 jobs trying to find our place because everything we thought God was leading us to just didn't work. What a great experience, right? What doesn't kill you is usually a great experience. It sucks going through it, but it's really a great experience. You can look back on it someday. In the moment, though, it's so easy to get stuck saying, God, I'm stuck behind these bars. There's no hope, and this place is bleak. He's like, no, I've got some great things planned for you. You just got to get through it. But sometimes, man, you just feel like, oh, but I made a decision, God, and it went wrong. Is God able to do all things? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe you have to earn his favor? The answer is no. Do you believe that God controls wants the best for you, maybe not always controls the situation, but his desire is for your best. The Bible says he works all things for our good. We have to believe that. Make a decision. Go with it. See what he does. Two more things. One, look into other people's lives. If you want to practice having vision, Start seeing other people. Okay? What does that mean? Um, Cole's not here. Let's pick on him. I can say Cole is tall or Cole is strong, right? That's quite a box to put Cole in. He is tall and strong until he gets to someone taller or stronger, maybe. (laughs) They're like, Cole's short. I'm like, you're kidding, man. (laughs) But... Do we see more beyond the surface? Can we see beyond the surface into someone's life? Right? Because Cole has this completely passionate heart for God. He loves to worship. He loves to lead. He cares deeply about people. We could go on and on and on, right? But Cole has, can we see someone's heart? Can we see their character? Do you know what he's afraid of? Do you know where he's been hurt? And we sit with these. We'll go back to that example. Remember, the campers come off the bus, and you've got 15 problems running at you. And every single one of those 15 problems running at you has hearts and fears, is going through things at home, is worried about starting school in two weeks and, and a new classroom maybe. And, it, and 
what if somebody steals their lunch and I gotta leave my backpack in a place? And what if I can't find my bathing suit and it's time to go swimming? And what if, what if I'm the one kid that doesn't get tucked today? It's like, who knows what's going through their head? What their hopes and their fears are. Can we see below the surface into their lives and see them for who they are? What motivates people? What makes you tick? Have you seen that in other people and can you draw that out? That's vision. That's seeing beyond the obvious. And then look into your own life. Let me ask you, is there a sense that God's been leading you? Have you, any of you, I know it's very distracting because there's beeping outside. Have any of you been sensing that God is leading you into change? Are you willing to accept that? What if God is saying to you, I want to use you in a significant way? Have you stopped to listen? Have you heard him? It's so easy to have vision for someone else's life, to say, oh, I know exactly what you should do, Jake, and I know exactly what you should do, Lexi, and I know exactly what you should do, and then to stop and say, God, what are you doing in my life? Uh Uh-oh. What if he wants you to start something new? What if he really wants you to go to school? What if he really wants you to quit school? That's not so bad, eh? Got your attention. (laughs) What if he wants you to start a ministry? What if he's saying to you, you need to stop doing this ministry so someone else can? But, But I've always done this. Then what? What if he's saying go or try or see this? Very cool, eh? You want some of that? Right? What if God's saying that to you? There's a story about a dude in the um, Old Testament, and his name is Moses. Some of you may have heard of him. He's kind of obscure. Um, <laughs> but when he, he gets this idea in his head, right? Because he's told from a very young age that you are going to lead the Hebrew people out of Egypt. And he gets to be like midlife, right? He gets to be like 40. And he's like, God, when are we doing this? And so he takes it in his own hands and he kills an Egyptian, right? And then he runs away. Like, shoot, should not have done that. Definitely on the, like, do not do list. Do not kill people. Bad. (laughs) So he runs away. 40 years later, he's been hiding in the desert, taking care of sheep who don't have a whole lot of conversation skills. And he sees this bush that's burning or maybe it's a burning bush, or I don't know what it is. But he goes over to it, and God talks to him. Says, I'm sending you. Whew, that is terrifying. Moses is terrified. He tries to get out of it. Don't send me, send Aaron. He's he's a much better speaker, and he's never killed anybody that I know of. I've been gone a few years, but I'm guessing. Right? There's better people for this job, God. Who does God choose? Moses. So with trembling and fear, 
he moves towards Egypt to take on the task that was given to him when he was born that he feels so unprepared for at this point in his life. What if God is asking you to look inside your life and say, I know you're afraid and I know you're trembling. I'm just asking you to move. The great thing is, he's, God, side note, does send Aaron <laughs> to meet him. He's not alone in this. He just feels like he is when he starts out. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're starting out all alone. You're never alone. Not if God's sending you. Vision. Can you see yourself? Can you see yourself beyond the bars? Can you see the stars? <laughs>